This podcast deals with the Earth's climate system in terms of global temperature patterns and global rainfall patterns. The Earth's climate has always changed, cycling over tens to hundreds of thousands of years, between long periods of warm, in which we call interglacial, and cool, in which we call glacial conditions. Interglacial, glacial. Interglacial, warm, glacial, cool. These alternating, these alternating episodes of interglacial and glacial climates have been driven by both the internal dynamics of the Earth's systems and by external forces. Modern climates, however, are changing at a rate much faster than occurred in the geological past. We can clearly see from the temperature of planet Earth that climate change over geological time in terms of thousands of years present to today has changed dramatically. The Earth's climate fluctuating gradually throughout its history over long periods of time until modern day when the changes have become very rapid. The scientific evidence that human activities are responsible for the recent changes to the Earth's climate is compelling. Anthropogenic climate change is one of the greatest environmental, social, political and economic challenges facing the Earth's inhabitants. So a couple of key terms in the last couple of minutes that I've spoken about. Interglacial, which relates to warm, and glacial, which relates to cool conditions. And I also use the term anthropogenic, which means human-induced climate change. Anthropogenic, human-induced climate change. Before we go into a great detail about how the Earth's climate has changed, it's important to understand the difference between weather and climate. Weather and climate are two terms that are often used interchangeably, but have very, very different meanings. So here's the definition for weather. Weather is the short-term condition of the atmosphere at a given place and time, such as it is a warm or cold day today. Weather is measured by looking at changes in daily temperature, precipitation, humidity, wind speed and direction, atmospheric pressure and cloud cover. And this relates to climate, but it also is completely different to climate, as climate is the long-term average weather conditions for a location calculated over long periods of time. So weather is what you see today, climate is what you'll see in the future, or what you've seen in the past, relating to long-term average weather conditions. Climate is measured from long-term precipitation and temperature patterns, and often expressed as monthly or seasonal averages. An easy way to remember the difference between the two terms is the phrase, climate is what you expect, and weather is what you get. Climate is what you expect, and weather is what you get. Climate is what you expect, and weather is what you get. Another two expressions that are encountered frequently in discussions about climate are climate variability and climate change. Climate variability is the year-to-year -year variation in monthly or seasonal conditions, whereas climate change is the long-term trend in climatic conditions. So just go through those two again. Climate variability 
is the year-to-year -year variation in monthly or seasonal conditions, where climate change is the long-term trend in climatic conditions. One warmer or cooler summer is not sufficient to say that the climate is changing, but changes that are consistent over many years do provide evidence of a changing climate. We can clearly see in graphs where we've looked at climate change during modern time that the annual mean from year to year fluctuates, while five-year averages show a clear warming trend since 1910. And this all relates to global temperature patterns. Temperatures at the surface of the Earth depend largely upon how much heat energy or insulation is received from the sun. And this obviously relates to the global heat budget. Insulation, remember, is the term derived from incoming solar radiation. This is received from the sun, which will vary due to the latitude on the Earth and the time of year. At present, the average global surface temperature is about 15 degrees. Areas that are closer to the equator are warmer than regions near the poles, due to the equatorial regions receiving more direct insulation. These areas have an average surface temperature of 25 degrees or higher. On the other hand, average temperatures at the poles are way below freezing. The general pattern is clearly shown when we have a look at global temperature patterns around the world. As we leave the equator, it becomes hotter at where we've got a region of hot and dry conditions near the deserts, and then we get to more temperate conditions, and then finally to the poles. This difference creates a global transfer of heat from the equator to the poles by the atmospheric circulation of winds, which keeps the poles warmer and the equator cooler than they would be if the Earth had no atmosphere at all. Despite receiving the most energy from the sun, equatorial regions do not experience the hottest, highest temperatures on Earth. In equatorial regions, Warm rising air can create daily thunderstorms that use large amounts of the available energy, lowering temperatures by several degrees Celsius. Greater cloud cover also reduces the amount of sunlight by reflecting insulation through the albedo effect. The hottest places on Earth are located in the subtropical climate zone of high pressure between latitudes 25 degrees to 40 degrees where there is virtually no cloud cover and insulation is very high throughout the year. Parts of the Great Sandy and Tanami deserts in Australia can experience daytime temperatures of over 50 degrees Celsius. During the winter months, however, temperatures lose loss under clear night skies can reduce the air temperature close to or even below freezing. The most comfortable climates in regards to temperature occur in the temperate mid-latitude zones. In these regions, summer temperatures rarely go above 40 degrees, and winters are usually fairly, fairly mild because of the influence of the warm winds that originate from the subtropics. Seasonal change will also influence temperature. During the southern hemisphere, summer from December to February, the southern hemisphere of the Earth is tilted towards the sun and therefore receives more insulation rising surface temperatures. From June through August, the northern hemisphere receives more energy from the sun, 
while it is winter in the southern hemisphere, it will be summer in the northern hemisphere. The difference between summertime and wintertime temperatures tends to be greatest at higher latitudes, especially in the interior of the large land masses, for example in North America and Asia, which are far from the moderating influence of the oceans. For example, winter temperatures in Canada and Siberia in Russia can fall below 40 degrees Celsius, whilst in summer they may rise above 30 degrees. The United Kingdom, on the other hand, with its more maritime climate, has a yearly temperature range of only 10 to 15 degrees Celsius. The smallest annual temperature range will occur within the equatorial tropical climate zone, where the changing angle of the sun through the seasons having a proportionately smaller effect on the total amount of sunlight received. And this includes regions such as Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia and Thailand. Now we look at global precipitation patterns. Precipitation in all its forms is primarily located within regions of rising moist air and low pressure. As air rises, it cools, and the moisture within it cools, changing its physical state from a gas to liquid and, and condensing as clouds. If enough condensation occurs, precipitation is produced. In regions of high pressure, air is descending, cooling and reducing condensation, resulting in clear skies. Therefore, precipitation will be rare. Near the equator, in the tropics, the highest rainfall is found. As the strong heating by the sun creates a large uplift of moist air, forming frequent thunderstorms and prolonged heavy showers. Annual rainfall totals in the tropics can exceed 2,500 millimetres. In some localities, such as Cherrapunji in northeastern India, it can be much, much more. Cherrapunji receives as much as 10,000 millimetres per year, driven by the monsoons and the Himalayas, enhancing the uplift of moist air. Within polar regions, precipitation is low, as air is too cold to contain much water vapour, as the cold, heavy air descends, reducing cloud formation. Some parts of Antarctica and the Arctic are as dry as the hot desert climates of the subtropics where high pressure will also limit cloud formation and therefore precipitation. Both hot and cold deserts may receive less than 250 millimetres of precipitation annually. In some parts of the subtropics, rain may not fall for several years. The mid-latitude temperate regions have moderate levels of precipitation, with most of the precipitation created from the development of cold fronts within low pressure systems, which form when warm moist air is forced to rise as cold polar air masses collide and wedged under the warmer air. On western facing coastlines, annual precipitation may approach 2,500 millimetres. Precipitation decreases substantially within the interiors of major land masses, such as Australia, as the air drives and moves further away from its oceanic moisture source. When you compare Kalgoorlie's rainfall statistics to Perth's, there is a stark contrast. 
Similar to temperature, patterns of rainfall will shift with the seasons, and the north-south movement of the heat equator, especially within and near the tropical rain belt. Some regions close to the equator experience two wet seasons and two dry seasons. The greatest rainfall will occur at the March and September equinoxes, as the heat equator is directly over the equator and heating is at its strongest. Further away from the equator, the year is split into single wet and dry seasons. In the southern hemisphere, the wet season occurs in December and January, whereas in the northern hemisphere, the heaviest rain will occur in June and July. In the mid-latitude temperate regions, precipitation tends to be highest in winter, as this is the time of year that frontal low-pressure systems dominate, as in the southwest of Australia. During the summer precipitation is much lower, as subtropical high-pressure anticyclones expand to influence the weather patterns. During this time, convectional summer thunderstorms may create intermittent heavy downpours. So if we had to imagine a global precipitation pattern map in relation to Australia, in summer, which we call November through to March, there would be an equatorial high pressure belt around Darwin, where we get our tropical cyclones. The majority of Australia would be cast in a subtropical high. And then we would have a polar low, a subpolar low down near Tasmania off the coast. In winter, that equatorial high, sorry, that equatorial low that was around Darwin moves across to the northern hemisphere and Darwin is replaced with the subtropical high. The subpolar low then moves its way to the rest of Australia and that's where we get our rainfall from and a polar high moves just below Tasmania. So I'll just go through those again. In summer, it'll be equatorial low, subtropical high and subpolar low and in winter it is a subtropical high near Darwin, a subpolar low in the rest of Australia and then a polar low, a polar high just below Tasmania.